She remained behind, still smiling. It was too bad that he was not coming with them. On the other hand, she should have expected that he wouldn't come, and she scolded herself. They would form a convoy, carrying grain, just any trader would do. He was, um, he was a warrior. He had other things to do. Ariana laughed at her own funny thoughts. She was ridiculous with her little girl's dreams. If she were to attract this man, she had to think differently, act like a grown woman. But did she want to attract him? Of course she did. He was special. And he had asked her to take care of herself. That must mean something. Once she got her thoughts straightened out, she turned on her heels and returned to the Greek's house to find out what would happen next. She found them all in the backyard talking. Alexios was just showing the warrior Dekinais the baskets that he used to carry the goods from Histria since he would leave most of the contents with Marulis and the Roxolanis, Alexios offered the remaining baskets to the Kinais, who had been carefully examining them. You see, said the Greek trader, the lids are tilted. Not too much, but enough for the rain to drain. And whatever falls over them, leaves, cones or so, doesn't remain there to make the baskets heavier. Everything falls down, see? A roof for the baskets, said the Kinais happily. Exactly. How many baskets do you have? We can build lids for all of them. I'm sure Marulis has some wooden scraps here, and I have the tools. What do you think? The Kinais smiled and at the trader and nodded enthusiastically. Good then. I can take care of it now. Celia, son, you're not busy. Why don't you show our friend the, the arrowheads we kept for the Dacians? Silias had been observing the Kinais during the conversation about the lids. The Kinais was older than him, but not much. He was tall, with a beautiful slender body and an open face. He wore his blonde hair caught back with a narrow leather strip. His intelligent eyes seemed to eagerly absorb everything the Greek showed him. He listened carefully to Alexios, but his eyes lightened up even more when he heard about the arrowheads. Even with his virgin face, Dekinaeus was a warrior. So he turned immediately to Silias, and together they left the backyard. We took the arrowheads inside with us, confessed Silias on their way to the house. Father thought it better to keep them away from other people's eyes. Once in the chamber Marulis had reserved for them, Silias took a bundle from the corner and unwrapped it. The Kinais came closer and checked the, the fine arrowheads. Then they began talking about weapons and other things. It was clear that the Dachian warrior was as interested in the Greek boy as Silias was in him. When Silias raised his head, he saw his sister in the door watching them curiously. Good morning, Ariane. You know, Dekina is here, he said to her. Dekina is will lead the grain convoy over the mountains, and he agreed to take us with him. Ariane nodded at the young warrior, and he smiled back at her. We will leave tonight, he told both of them. 
The chieftain has agreed to open the gate at, mid at midnight for us. We will need to cross fast and put some distance between us and the river. The bank of Danuvius is a bad place to linger. Maybe you should prepare too. Ah, I almost forgot. Thais is ready to help you prepare your wardrobe, said Celias, and the two men turned their backs to her and continued their conversation as if she had never been come in. The girl understood that they didn't need her company and left to search for Thais. She found her in the large day chamber, her face buried in a large painted chest and grumbling. What is your father thinking? To make a frail girl like you on such a stupid trip. I tried to make him see reason and leave you here with us. Do you know what he answered? He said it wasn't yet the right time to part with you. Such a daft answer. Ah, I found it. You have here some soap. Don't worry, I put some lavender stems in the concoction. It smells good. This towel is for you alone. It is important to stay clean. Men don't care much about that, but you try to stay clean. Thais moved around, gathering everything she wanted to pack for the girl. She added one more towel, then she dug deep in the chest until she found a clay vial with a wooden top. She showed it to Ariane and explained its content. This is some thyme oil. It is good if you get a sunburn or cracked lips. The thyme oil is good for everything. The woman stopped suddenly. Ariane was looking at her with a trembling chin on which two big tears were about to meet. Nobody, not even Elia, had ever talked to her with so much tenderness and warmth. Thais took the girl in her arms and whispered softly, Don't be afraid, dear girl. You have your family around. They will take good care of you. And if I am not mistaken, you will also have that big mountain man to watch over you. Don't look so questioning. You know whom I am talking about. The young warrior who could not take his eyes off you last night. Ariana smiled and Thais continued relieved. Now, he was right on one matter. We need to fight close to keep you warm and cozy. Thais resumed her search through the contents of the big chest and held up victorious several more items of clothing. Ariane admired the billowy long-sleeved shirt to wear over thick breeches held in place with a thin leather belt. Thais also found some soft leather boots, several sizes larger than the girl's feet. That's better. We will wrap your feet in leather and they will fit perfectly. You will thank me for the warmth when you are in the mountains. Ariana looked at her sleeveless blue tunic that she loved so much. I will have to leave this here, she said with regret. Thais smiled wisely. Not if we adjusted a little. Then she took a thin knife and looked at Ariane with a raised brow. The girl nodded and the woman shortened the tunic about, about, the, uh, about the knees. They both looked at the entire composition and laughed. I call this the wild look with a feminine touch. Now the most important item of clothing, your cloak. 
It is heavy, I know, but necessary. Nights will be cold soon before you get over the mountains. And it will rain. The cloak will keep you warm and dry. When Ariana went out to show her new garments to her brother, she saw that all three of them were clothed identically. When the twins put the hoods over their heads, it was only their height that set them apart. They were ready to go. It was deepest night when the gates opened for the convoy. Dekinais had told them before that they wouldn't cross the big river at Carsium, but a little further down where the Roxolanis had a well-hidden and even better guarded float bridge. The chieftains had sent a group of warriors earlier that evening to check the surroundings and ensure the safe passage of the Dacians. Once on the other side of Danuvius, they would go west and follow the river Naparis through the Roxolani plains and follow it then when it turned north towards the mountains and into Dacia. They had twenty donkeys with them, each carrying two grain baskets on their muscular backs. Several small mountain horses followed, loaded with Alexios tools, some furs and blankets and presents that Ariana received from Thais. Dekinais had a group of 15 Dacian warriors who would escort the convoy all the way to Dacia. They weren't exactly a war party, but they were strong enough to scare away any rocks they might meet along the way. It didn't take long for them to get to the float bridge, although it was so well hidden that they wouldn't have found it on their own. The Kinais exchanged several words with the guards and then turned to his people to organize the crossing. Silias and Ariane were in the first group to cross, together with several donkeys and their grain baskets. Four Dacians and two Roxolanis were accompanying them. The Roxolani warriors would handle the ropes and get the float bridge back for the rest of the party. They crossed quickly. Once on the left uh, bank, they moved away from the river to a clearing surrounded by small trees. They tied the beasts, beasts and sat down in silence to wait for the others. The crossing took almost the entire night, so when they parted with the Roxolani warriors and left the clearing, the first light was already coloring the eastern horizon behind them. The Kinais forced them into a quick pace that he didn't slacken even when they arrived at the bank of the river Naparis. There the Kinais asked them to get off the horses. The sun rose behind them and covered the plain in its golden light, but the travelers didn't notice anything. They just trotted forward, too tired to even turn their heads. The sun brought with it a blistering heat but Dekinais kept the killing pace. It was midday when he finally allowed them to water the animals and cool down a little. He told them to drink from the sheepskins and only use the river water to wash their faces. 
Further upstream, the water would be clean and safe to drink, but here there was too much decay in it that would cause stomach aches. He didn't take the burdens off the beasts, and as soon as they finished drinking, he gave the signal to move on. The sun was setting when they finally, when he finally led them into a clearing close to the water and told them they would stay there for the night. We need to take off the baskets, water and feed the beasts. Make sure you rub their sweaty backs dry with the hay we brought with us. With that, he turned and, turned and began to take care of the animals himself. Alexios and Celias looked at each other, sighed, then shrugged, and each grabbed a handful of high. Ariane looked around, but the men were all busy and didn't seem to care about her. She went to the river and cleaned her face and her arms as best she could. Thais's words came back to her and she wondered if she would ever see that wonderful woman again. Once clean and refreshed, she approached the group of men gathered around a small fire and took a piece of hard cheese and bread from her father. The men broke several large onions with their hands and shared them. They were all hungry and the food tasted great, but the three exhausted Greeks all fell asleep with food still in their hands. The next day, the Kinais maintained the same killing pace. There was nothing in him that resembled the friendly man at Calcium. That evening, he confessed, It will be much better once we leave this awful plain behind us. I constantly feel like I am walking naked through a hornet's nest. They looked at him doubtfully, wondering if he was telling the truth. They surely hoped he was, or maybe not. Nothing changed during the next days and Ariane began to think over her previous experience with physical effort. Her exhaustion was overwhelming in a way that she never thought possible. She woke up in the morning and her first wish was to cry away her frustration. What did we agree to with father? How far must we go before we can ask him to turn around and go home? When, after a day of unspeakable struggle, she wrapped herself in her cloak for the night, she thought about the strange Dachian warrior who saved her life, then annoyed her out of her mind and finally asked her to stay out of trouble for him. That last day's thoughts and the soft cloak became her sole consolation during the never-ending journey. After several days, the landscape started to change. The endless plain gave way to small waving hills to their right, and even though vegetation was still scarce, the grass had a greener shade and the air became lighter to breathe. One evening, Ariane suddenly became aware that more had changed than the surroundings. First, the Kinais was smiling again, and his men started cracking jokes from time to time. Then she noticed that her legs gave her less trouble and her lungs were no longer aching from the effort to breathe. Even the time between her last bite of dinner and her falling into a dreamless sleep stretched to several minutes. 
The same seemed to happen to her brother and her father. They both regained an interest in their surroundings, and Celia started asking more and more questions while traveling, questions that Dekinaeus was answering with delight. Dekinaeus would also ask questions, and Celia responded with the same pleasure. Several warriors would leave the convoy every day to hunt. The game was small, but even a little meat made the dinner more flavorful. One day, Dekinais invited Silias to go hunting with him, and when they returned, they were carrying a deer. Silias and Dekinais talked and laughed more than usual that evening, and Ariana noticed with surprise that a friendship was blossoming between the two young men. She fell asleep smiling and dreamt about Thais, who was reciting all the flowers and plants that she used for her soap. Then the Naparis River turned to the north, and its waters lost their muddy color. It was flowing clear, and the travelers were approaching the hills that they had noticed several days ago. The next day, Nekinais pointed out a blue haze in the distance. The mountains, he said with a husky voice. Over there is our home, he added, looking a little flushed. Ariane smiled at that, but she suddenly felt sad. She had spent her whole life at the seaside, but never, not for a moment, had she felt it indispensable to her life. They were now so far away from Pontus Euxinus, and she realized, with a shock, that she didn't miss it at all. These people, on the other hand, they really missed their homes and their mountains. A blue shadow at the horizon made them happy. Would she ever find a place that meant so much to her? They stopped that evening in a bend of the river where the grass was lush. They cared for the beasts, as usual, and Ariane completed her daily cleaning ritual. Then they gathered around the fire to share the food. After a while, Ariane asked Dekinais, Is it hard to learn how to use the bow and arrow? They all turned surprised to her. What do you mean? I mean, I want to learn how to use the bow. I saw the warriors at Carsium. They had beautiful white bows. Do you think you can teach me, Dekinais? The men were still reeling at the girl's request when her father answered in a dry voice. This would be a somewhat strange occupation for a trader's daughter. I do not want to learn it as a sport, something to pass the time. I want to learn how to use it like, like a warrior. The men chuckled indulgently. Ariana looked at each of them and felt anger rise and color her cheeks. Why are you laughing at me? Is it such an unusual request? Is it because I'm a woman? Is this something a Dachian woman wouldn't do? No, no, I'm sorry, Ariane. I didn't mean to offend you. It was only so sudden. Our women, they all know to handle the bow, the short sword, and the hatchet. Ariane looked at him with a questioning face 
and turned her hands palms up. Yes, indeed. Why not? I will teach you, lady. A warrior stepped in. His name was Basto, a man with a scarred face, proof of many battles. He was the oldest among them and probably the first one who fell for the thin, tall girl with a blue tunic and luminous eyes. Every evening after they settled to rest, he would follow the girl at the river and sit down with his eyes averted from her. At the beginning, Ariane felt bothered by this personal guard, but after a while she learned to feel secure under his protection. He was never far away from her and considered her safety his first priority. Ariana smiled at him and nodded triumphantly. At home, Dekinai said, I have a girl, my girl. Her name is Sina. I think she will be pleased to meet you and you her. Sina? This is a beautiful name. What do you mean, your girl? Are you going to be together? Dekinai smiled again and his cheeks turned pink. Yes, I mean, probably. On the night of the fairies, she's already we weaving a shirt. I think, I, I hope it is for me. What? questioned Ariane and Celias at the same time. What do you mean? What is the night of the fairies? What shirt? Dekinais lowered her, his head, still smiling, and blushed. This is not the place uh, or the time for such explanations. Maybe Sina will explain to you. If you stay long enough with us, you will both learn what this is all about. No matter how much the twins prodded him for answers, Dekinais remained silent. Still, finally Alexius asked them to stop, and they did. Celias changed the subject and asked Dekinais about the game in the mountains. The subject about shirts and fairies was no longer interesting to him. Ariane, on the other hand, found it fascinating. These people, whom they thought were wild, had rules and customs other than drinking the enemy's blood from golden cups. She didn't know anything about them, but she started to know Dekinai's, and she liked him a lot. Suddenly, she wanted to know Sina, too, and spend time with her. Maybe see the Dacian general again, learn from him. She turned to Dekinais to ask about the man who occupied her mind, but the young warrior had already left the fireplace to check on the animals. Silias and Alexios were wrapped in their cloaks and had their eyes closed. She sighed, lay down, and closed her eyes. She didn't dream about Thais that night, but about the large man with warm hands and a laugh like the low rumble of distant summer thunder. That was it for today. I'll, I'll meet with you next Sunday. Next Sunday you're going to meet with another very colorful, colorful um, character with Strakon.
and this is real a character so until next week bye